Better days are coming. I said, better days are coming. Don't let the flu catch you down. Tell the flu you're going to fly away from the flu. Amen. Send the flu back to where it came from. They don't belong to us. Wrong address. Hallelujah. He said, Pastor, is that what you did? Of course it's what I did. Verse 37. But as in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. But is a conjunction. But. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He used but quite a few times there. Hallelujah. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but by Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And in case you don't believe the Noahic story, Mount Arawak have a little glacier preserved by God for all the skeptics to take a look at. And you explain how the ship got up there. Sure don't have wings. Lord bless the service right now. I pray in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you about the coming rain and the coming sun. The coming rain and the coming sun. You may be seated. In my city that I live in, McMurray, the greatest hope in this city is not the mayor, is not the premier, is not the MLA, not the teacher, the doctor, the professor, or the RCMP. The greatest hope for everybody in this city is their money in their pocket. It's truth. That's the only thing they have confidence in. And that's the reason why they'll all speak proudly. The more money they have, the more cruder they'll be. The more rude they'll be. The more self-centered they'll be. And the more they can buy is the more arrogant they'll be. And perhaps even the more lawless they become. Because they figure their money can buy legal aids. Some people think their money can get them off the hook. In a court case. In an arrest situation. Even pervert witnesses and evidence. Money is powerful in the city. Money is powerful around the world. Every government around the world is concerned about money. More than they're concerned about bombs and airplanes. Because they have to have money to, to buy bombs. Money, Bible says, answered all things. But there's something that money can't buy. Money may buy medicine... But it can't buy you health. Money may buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. Hello? Money may buy me a, one of those giant-sized bed, but it can't buy me a good sleep. But in the days of Noah, 
the bottoms of the earth has obeyed God in one respect. Be fruitful. Multiply. And replenish the earth. Since God made Adam, it is estimated there was over 6 billion people at least on the earth. In that short 1,026 years. They believed that many people lived on the earth. And one of the reasons why was the promiscuity of sexuality. It was running rampant. The Bible says it, it was a lawless earth. Crime was in abundance. Violence was everywhere. And the Bible didn't name all the events that took place. God just put in one word, it was corrupt. It was corrupt. And the Bible says there were a Canaanite group and there's another group called the Sons of God. Now they weren't called Pentecostals or Baptists or Lutherans or Catholics. They were called either Sons of God or Sons of Men. That's what they called them. Sons of God mean they, they belong to the Enoch, the Seth tribe. But they, they were calling upon the name of the Lord. These are people of God that knew God and obeyed God and Sons of men were the Canaanites that build the altar their way and worship their way and all the musical instruments and all the trimmings of life. But the Bible said they begin to multiply upon the face of the earth and the sons of God, God's men, saw the daughters of Cain and become fascinated by them. Obviously there were Beautiful, I mean, Oscar-looking, world-class looks girls. And the Bible said, the sons of God abandoned what God gave them and went over that side and intermarried with them. And that became so prevalent that obviously God was abandoned by the sons of God. God was totally abandoned. The whole world become a world of worldliness, carnal security, extreme hideous violence and crime. Men kill and justify themselves. And the Bible says it was corrupt. It was so infested that it, it, it made God sick. Never have I heard God says, I repent that I made man. I'm not sure what all that he saw. But whatever he saw, he rebuked himself for making us. He said, I made a mistake. That's God's avowal of a wrong act. He said, I shouldn't have made man. Amazing, isn't it? I forgot to say that. I'm sorry I made man. And God said, okay, I'm going to fix my mistake. God says he repent. That means he, he regret what he did. I'm going to destroy the whole thing so I never have to worry about it anymore. And then he decided to step down to do it. And he looked down there and said, but hey, just a minute now. I saw a guy down there. He's doing differently. I don't think he should perish with them. Because God said, the end of all flesh is come, and I'm going to kill them all. You and I would not be born. We would have known this took place. 
nobody could accuse God except the devil and he wouldn't have a long chance to do it either because wipe him out because he was right behind it <laughs> God could wipe him out so easily but God said but Noah found grace in the eyes of God a lot of people when they read about Noah's story and the drowning of the people and the perishing of the, that, pop, that generation of people it made God look bad but you forgot one thing it looked more bad on the people who reject the grace that God offer because the Bible says that before the flood they were eating drinking that means God had provided abundance for them the earth even though cursed was still benevolent to man but it did not drive men to a place of trusting in God they just simply eat up all his blessings and just forget about him and live a life of wilderness and I have no idea what all they did but I know it was not good for it upset God to the point it brought him down and made him say what he said now in our Bible the Bible let us know that as it was in that day it will be in our day so I've never lived in the days of Noah so I can assume everything I'm hearing on the news everything I see happening around me everything that's written about our time in the newscast or whatever is happening I can say to myself that it must mean that what? that's how it was for somewhere on earth there are people that are called sons of God somewhere on the earth there are people called daughters of God it has to be it just has to be God will never leave us with a witness but it is also the daughters of men that means daughters and sons of men that does not amen give in to the will of God and they're doing their own thing now according to my Bible that many hundreds and thousands of daughters and sons were born to sons of God we have no idea how they were born to sons of men but all indication was a large percentile were given to sons of God read the Bible how long they lived how many kids they had sons and daughters too much to count a whole lot of them but church was empty the altar was not visited the sacrifices that we know Abel used to offer stopped and the fire that came down from God no longer was and people are living worldly, carnal, security, sensual abandoning everything pertaining to God God didn't exist one bit and then the Bible says God spoke to Noah now I can see Noah for a hundred and twenty years begin to preach whatever God gave him to preach I want to show you what God's trying to teach us here he's not teaching us about the drowning of the people he's trying to teach us what they neglected what they could have had and they rejected it and chose to perish in other words that was not his vindictive behavior towards them he wants to see what they gave up 
to end up the way they did. They had opportunity. Galore. Along with being blessed in their sins. The sons of God have no need to go in that route. Because God had his own plan for them. Alright. Now. We read in Hebrews chapter 11. Though they were 7. In their day. Faith was present. And faith come by hearing. And hearing by the priest's word of God. Noah had faith. Where did he get it from? Methuselah, Enoch, and others were preaching the word of God. It's not brought up very clearly, but it's always implied. Enoch was a preacher. He prophesied. So there was a prophetic ministry in the days of the people. There was a preaching ministry in the days before the flood. So they got prophets and preachers preaching to them. In Genesis 6 and verse 8, it says, Grace was offered that Noah found grace. I'm telling you tonight that, you know, it's your people in homeless, and we jump to the conclusion that, you know, you know, that life wasn't fair to them. You're wrong. If you check the background, you're going to find a lot of people have abused life. And somewhere life give up on them. Just like God give up on the world. God remained in the world. You know, storm and earthquake and, and famine don't come just out of, you know, because it won't happen. These are tools of God to stop and prevent events from continuing that aggravates Him until the great final day. And so the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, was available to them. So faith was available, grace was present, and Second Peter 2 and verse 5 said, there was a preaching of righteousness. So here is sin being exalted and righteousness being ignored. He said, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. In other words, somebody saying, that's not right what you're doing. That's not right what you're practicing, what you're living. What you're going with is wrong. And there was a man who was God compass of the moral situation. There was a plumb line and saying, you're going the wrong direction. You're doing the wrong thing. And the way of sin going to be death. Look at Adam. He died. And you know he died. You know why he died. Look at Cain. Cain got a curse. You know all that. So he's preaching righteous preaching. Well, how do you think his family got saved? Huh? It's not saved by foolishness. It was saved by preaching. So we know that faith available to them, grace available to them, and preaching and righteousness. And then it didn't stop there. In verse 3 to 6 of Second Peter chapter 3, it says they were willingly ignorant. They chose to ignore. Enoch says God is coming with 10,000 of his saints to take vengeance on ungodliness of men. Enoch says that long before Noah started preaching. And Noah preached that the flood is coming. I'm building an ark to save you who want to be saved. If you respect God, come on board. 
but they willingly ignorant. I mean, you know truth, you know what you're doing is wrong, yet you persist on doing it, you insist and go that way. All right, so you're going to perish. Not because there wasn't an ark for you. Not because faith wasn't available to you. Or grace wasn't available to you. And preaching. But you chose to be. And you assume all things are going to continue this way. And God said no. Now they don't know God is repeating up there. And says, I, I'm sorry I made man. I'm sorry about this. I want to destroy it all. But this guy's going to save the whole situation here. With a message. God gave him a plan to save them. But did they make use of it? No! And I don't believe he, he was the only religion around because Cain still had his religion. Cain still had, but Cain religion means you can marry two, three, four times. You can kill and justify yourself. Read your Bible. That's how things work. And then we read this in 1 Peter 3 and verse 20. There was also the long-suffering of God. My God. And then to make matters worse, God waited. He's not idle. He's not slack with His promises. God is waiting for true repentance. God is hoping they will turn at the faith of Noah, at the grace of God, and the preaching of righteousness, but they chose to be real ignorant. The Bible said, well, God just wait. Wait. And wait. But not be negligent. Now, verse 20 says, God waited, and God suffered long. Now, long-suffering means, turn around, I mean, suffered long. Now, I shouldn't be putting up with this, but I'm putting up with it. I just don't want to see you get perishing. I don't want to see you get destroyed. So I, it burns me up and, uh, grit my teeth and, uh, while you provoke me and you just push me and you shove me and you, and you do all these things to me and I'm, oh, my judgment said, get it! And I said, no, wait some more. Long suffering means I should have when I could have and I haven't. Verse 20, God waited and God suffered long. They got more worse. Worse. And verse 20, and it says, In all their carrying on, the ark was preparing. Church, I want to say to you, this is a bad time to think about abandoning this church. If that is in your vocabulary, if you want to join <laughs> the Can Can Girls, and if you want the lights of Las Vegas and Hollywood, and if you want what they have in the, you know, the, the sparkling lights out there like the prodigal sun, you chose a bad time. You chose a bad time for that. Because there's no time left. They're going to find out they run out of time. While the ark was preparing, this church is an ark. We are building this church based on the design God gave us. Not the one your mother and father think we should have. Not the one your friends think we should have. We are doing God's way. God's dimension. God's material. God, amen, pitching within and without. 
And you may not like the way it's being done, but that's God's command. Amen. I'm telling you, nobody have hope in those days that stay out of the ark. And anybody in this city, I don't care how much money they got, how much silver they possess, how many friends they've got, you are without hope. The only hope there is is in the ark. And guess what? It's preparing. Verse 20, chapter 3. First Peter says, It is preparing. So God said, Look, if you want to be saved, people, Noah got the message. He can say, Amen. Now, the world abandoned Noah. God said, I've had enough. I'm going to do something about it. Different nobody. Not even Satan gets off the hook. And to prove it, just look at Calvary. Jesus Christ, who was innocent, did no sin, hurt nobody, could not even change his own fate. He prayed that the cup may pass. And had to submit to the righteous judgment of God and said, Nevertheless, not as I will. But thy will be done. If you think you're going to force your will on God, you're dead wrong. Amen. What happened? The flood came, but the Bible says, before it came, Noah entered in the ark, and they knew it not. Every day this church door won't be opened. Every day you won't have the opportunity to say no to God. Every day, it won't be an opportunity for you to say, I don't think I go to church today. Because it's coming a time there will be no church to go to. There will be no Holy Ghost to receive. There's no baptism of water to take place. There's no repentance to be granted. And there's no God to listen to. Amen. It will be gone. And preaching will be no more. And people are going to be caught unaware. Not realizing the world will not continue as it was before. Because God said I'm going to bring it to an end. You see God watching the buildings of the church. He's not watching the sin of the world. When the church finally get the last person in. And there's such a thing. The last person. In the Bible, there's one last person that was saved under the law. And he was the thief on the cross. He was the last person under Moses' law to be saved without the Acts 2.30 experience. Amen. There will be such a thing as the last person. Amen. Now look at 2 Peter 2 and verse 5. It says, after the flood, God spared not that world, but drowned. Why I'm telling you this? Jesus is drawing the parallel to my generation. He's telling me the preacher to tell you this. He's telling you young people, infants, babies, adolescents, young boys, young girls, they perish. In the flood, you are not too old to be saved, and you're not too old to be lost. You're not too young to be saved, and you're not too young to be lost. 
And you can't blame anybody for your mistakes. You're going to carry your own salvation in your own bosom. Hallelujah. And God says, He spared not the old world. I sometimes use my imagination to wonder how they beat and whipped and beat on that boat trying to get in. And that was the wrong sound. The only sound of hope was the hammer. That was the sound of hope. But this one was a sound of hopelessness. That was the wrong sound. The wrong beat. He said, God spared not. You know where God said, look, no more faith, no more grace, no more preaching, no more long-suffering. I'm not going to wait anymore. The church is built. I don't care what you do. Bye. You're going to enter the wrath of God. Look what happened, church, in verse 19 to 21. First Peter. This is very interesting, folks. I'm going to show you what prison really means. Most folks have not connected this, and you need to get this message today. First Peter 3, 19, 21, Peter picks up on the knowing message. Remember now, Jesus reminds us of it, and Peter is reminding us of it. Hello? So it must be important. Now, he said, this is what Peter says, there are souls in prison. He's not talking about souls after the flood. He's talking about souls who perish in the flood. Look where they end up. He said, look, by which he went and preached to spirits in prison. Next verse says, who in the days they were disobedient when the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. God said, I'm going to wait for them. Maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll listen to the preaching. Maybe the prophet I've spoken to them. Maybe by long suffering will teach them they should use it up in a positive, healthy way. Maybe, miss, maybe, give them a chance. Let's see what they'll do with it. And while the ark was preparing, only few people were affected by the faith of Noah by the grace of God huh? by the preaching of righteousness and by the long suffering of God and the patience of God while he waited only eight person including the preacher now I don't know if anybody in McMurray you can convince about this story I don't know if anybody in high school or junior high or school you can tell the story and they believe it. They'll laugh at you. Those kids will go and say, go, go up, bald head, go up to your bald head. And they'll laugh at you. Because they're, they're children of men. And not sons of God. They'll open the Bible once in their life. And they'll tell you that's a good fictitious story. Good for Disneyland. And they'll laugh also. But the Bible says souls are in prison. If you wonder what prison is, the 20th chapter of the Revelation, go there and look for yourself. It tells what prison is. Verse 1 to 8. And I saw a strong angel that came down, it says, and arrested Satan, the old serpent, the dragon, and cast him down the bottomless pit. Then verse 6 and 8 says, and then when a thousand years were expired, he was out of his prison. Hell is prison. 
And it makes sense when a man sin and die in his sins, where his soul goes? To hell. I mean, instantly, the economy crashed. The flood washed away. Immediately, the, the, the flood washed away their hope, their finance. The famous fame disappeared in the flood. And the only real champion around was Noah. Because righteousness exalted a people. But sin is a reproach and bring condemnation. And God wants, if nobody else in this city knows, if you belong to God, this is a bad time to abandon the church. You chose a bad time to skip church. You chose a bad time to throw the towel. You chose a bad time to join the world. You chose a bad time to join the football game and the, and the hockey players. Do you know today in the States, at 27 below zero, they're going to play football and over 70,000 people are expected to show up. And a little rain fall and they abandon church. Difference in commitment. Hello? Little rain fall. And the road is slippery and they quit. No weather have ever been able to stop a football game in Canada. Never has been. But it goes talk to the church. The Bible said they are in prison. Chapter 3 and verse 6. St. Peter says, The whole world of Noah punished. They perished. What does perishing mean? You have to have a tomato watch it rot. <laughs> Go to a fruit tree and watch the fruit on there perish. Better yet, watch a burning building and your favorite pet is in there and he dies and comes with his blackest charcoal. What does perish mean? Gone. Forever. Never to return. Is it Pastor Neil? That's the best for a message. This is the only message there is. That really matters. There are churches in town that want to talk about it. But I'm going to tell you, church, we're living in a world that's worldly, that calls security. Hello? They legalize things that God condemns. They abandon godly principles. Abandon God. Push Him off the earth. Push Him out of school. Even out of churches. Legalize things that God condemns. And say we're proud of it. And celebrate it. And like Sodom opened the curtain of sins. But church, what happened here? It says, and God said they perish. Now what bothers me was sons of God. We're in that bonfire. If only eight souls were saved, please, beloved, go with me to the fifth chapter of Genesis and ask yourself the question, where are the godless sons and daughters? If Methuselah lived so long, 969 years, then he died, how long did they live? have kids. They were marrying into marrying. Now, the dimension of the ark tells me God expected more to be saved. 
Now, God's an optimist. God thinks because He preached to you righteousness and truth, you're going to turn. Not necessarily. No, they didn't turn. And then the 39th verse of the 24th chapter of Matthew says, And God took them all away. Let me tell you, honey, when you see this passage from the church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, and Friday night, I don't plan to perish. I don't plan to go to hell in prison. Hallelujah. I don't plan to be locked out. I don't plan to be left behind. Now you can say all that you want to and call me a pie in the sky and all that nonsense. That's fine. But I know I can't even know the faith of God. The grace of God is to me. The preaching of righteousness give me knowledge of salvation. Thank God He waited on me. I'm in the church. Thank God He's blessed me even with faith to believe Him. I'm not going to abandon ship. This is not the time to abandon holiness for worthiness. You made a mistake, honey. When you went down even to the pig spin, it's a mistake you made. You went the wrong way, brother. You're going the wrong direction. But I like what Noah did. His preaching influenced his wife. His preaching influenced his sons. Hallelujah. And their wives were also influenced by the preaching of the word. Notice who went upon the ark. It says Noah the eighth who entered the ark. I mean he was the last one on the ark. There come a day when we all will look back at our salvation. We can look at our Bibles and say in First Peter three twenty, we have been saved by the same faith that saved Noah. That same faith gonna lift us off the earth and live above the Milky Ways. And we're gonna rise like eagles without wings to enter hallelujah, celestial sea of hope. God said to this church, Do not sorrow as others who have no hope. The economy is not my hope. Amen. The clinics of today is not my hope for good health. The professors are not my hope for knowledge. Do you hear me? My hope is in what Noah had. He had faith in the Creator. And he believed the report. And God did not let him down. God was not slack. I'm going to send rain and rain did come. We're saved by faith. By what? Through what? Grace. Chapter 3 and 21. I'm telling you, friend, you and I will always be doing this. And it's not because of old age why we die. No, I'm talking about death. I'm talking about this must come to an end. This must come to an end. We are pilgrims in progress. We are in progress. We are moving in the right direction. You think God will let backsliders slip into heaven? Oh no. They abandoned church. They were neglecting. Paul warned you and me, church. He said not to neglect 
or not to abandon attendance to church so much the more as you see the day of Christ coming I'm saying this time is not rain but is the son of God that's coming and so Paul is telling us that we must pay attention to the same message that Noah preached is being preached to you and me that Jesus is coming and this is not a time to abandon the altar and praying it this is not a time to abandon righteousness and faith let the world know which side you're on if you're at home like the world is you're just as dead as they are when God comes, He's coming to His house. What's His house? This is His house. In my Father's house. Excuse me, work, church. Hello? 1 Peter 3, 21. The like figure word to baptism does save us. A lot of churches preach against baptism. A lot of tell me it's not necessary. A lot say it's the outward sign of inward grace. Some sprinkle. Some poor, some do all that nonsense stuff they do, but I want to do it God's way. God did not leave anything up to Noah's imagination. God gave him dimension. God named the size. God named how many stores it should have. And God said, only one door of hope, entrance, and one place to look when the storm comes up, a window. We got a window of opportunity to look up. When the storm comes, honey, I'm going to tell you, church, it won't be long. We're going to be floating off this ground. Hallelujah. There's a cloud of sea coming to get us, and we're going to rise to meet Jesus in the cloud. It will be worse at all when we see Jesus and the world's left behind to burn up, my friends. It's not his will that this world perish. But the Bible says, the like figure of word to baptism to save us. One lady one time tried to intimidate my precious wife and said, look, if you guys are so right, how come more people don't come to your church? Let me tell this lady, lady, a lot know the truth of this church, but they're not living it. They've abandoned it. Paul said there'll be a falling away before Jesus comes. There is a falling away. That falling away is in the millions, in the thousands. These are people that know the truth and don't live it. They profess they know God and the form of God is but deny the power of God. They're not going to be there. No, they won't be there. But it says 2 and verse 5, Second Peter, go there please. <coughs> How many are saved? Now I've got people who wrestle with me on this topic. If you're so right. Now I know how people judge churches. Even in our own ranks. We judge by how many on the pews. We judge how many cars are in the parking lot. Yes. We judge by how much money is in the bank. Well, that's not how Jesus Christ judges him. Is the blood applied to your post? Will a death angel come? He won't say, I'll be in the crowd. You're going to say, This house is the blood of Jesus Christ on this house. Because the death angel could not touch. Amen. Anybody that was in the house that was covered. They had hope. The ones whose blood never touched their, the blood of lamb didn't touch their houses. They had no hope. Anybody in the ark had hope. Those outside had no 
hope. And Paul says, examine to see if you're in the faith or outside of the faith. Because if you're outside, you don't have any hope. Hello? Because God didn't apply wrath for those inside the ark. Hello? But to obtain salvation. And so we know that few... How many are saved? Come on, church, saved. How many... That is few. How many can count few? Now, be honest, church. Please, just, just engage my folly today. Go to the fifth chapter one more time. Please go there. Read the, let's, let's glance down. See how long those guys live. How many kids do you think they had back then? Because verse 1, chapter 6 tells you that men multiply. You know what multiply means? It's not just one plus one. Okay? It means there are leap and bounds growth of people. Hello. Now, how do you know that? By the size ark he built, alone tells me how much people was on earth. Think about it. And those guys weren't being <laughs> being uh, sterile living in those days. It was sexual promiscuity everywhere. Lawless, indecent act that bothered God. And God was angry at them. So what we know, what was here? They're called the ungodly. Second Peter 2 verse 6. Go there. The ungodly. He called the people he destroyed the ungodly. What do you call them? Ungodly mean without God. Totally abandon God. The people that forget God shall be thrown into where? Bible says hell. In those days, they're going to be drowned. Hallelujah. Now, we're not wishing that for anybody. But that's what the Bible teaches. Few being saved, don't you ever judge this church by how many of us are here. Don't you walk through that door because only two people here you feel I shouldn't preach? If you do that, you're not very smart. If I go to school and I pay my money for a lecture, still going to lecture me. Don't don't punish me for those who didn't come. Hello? Don't shorten the meal because they didn't come. So I must punish because no no no. You give me the full course well, Pastor, you know, since everybody's not here, shorten the meal. You're not very wise. I didn't get the. <laughs> if I go to a seminar and it says from eight to ten or eight to four, I want eight to four lecture. Hello. If I get a break or we'll come back on the two left, he will not cancel that class on me or refund me my money in full because he can't punish me because of them. And if you come to church because all the five of us here, you want to shut church down because all the five of us, then you ask me to punish you when I should be complimenting you. I should be blessing you, not blasting you. I shouldn't curse you for those who didn't come. You're here. I should feed your heart 
and bless your soul. That's right. Some preacher made a mistake of cursing those who showed up about those who didn't show up. Well, guess what? That's the wrong audience you're talking to. <laughs> Let's worship God. Before I close, God called the ungodly, and then there were skeptics. Peter said there were skeptics. Where is the promise of the rain, Noah? Hey, we haven't seen any rain since God created the earth, according to you. You said God created the earth, but where is the rain? We've never seen clouds. We've never seen rainbow. We've never seen a drift from the sky. You know it's always came from the bottom up. The mist. What are we talking about? This thing will never float. But I like what Noah did with a bulldog faith. Just kept on. Hammering, would you stand? This church is preparing for the coming of Jesus. And we know there's a storm coming. We know that the winds are blowing softly. And look like the world is enjoying itself. But the Bible said when they cry peace and safety. I want to show you something, folks. First Thessalonians chapter five. Go there. If I live, I plan to be in church tonight. And if I live, I plan to be in prayer meeting Tuesday night. And if I live, I plan to be in church again Friday night. And I plan again on hallelujah. Sunday. And I'll keep on keeping on till he shows up. And deja vu, we're going to meet in the same place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell Hollywood you don't attract me. Las Vegas don't attract me. I'm not interested in their booze and their party. That's all the joy they get. But when calamity come, God says, Sorrow not as them who have no hope. We got hope. What the Bible says here. For the times and the season, brethren, you have known that I unto you. Read on. Verse 2. For yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall cometh as a thief in the night. Now, you know what the Lord is doing? I'll show what God is doing. Because see, you know if he come right now, a lot of backsliders wouldn't make it. Watch Jesus walk in. He could do this. And one leap is a thousand years. He could do that. Hello? And he left here two thousand years ago. So two steps and he could be here. But you know what he's doing? He's dragging his feet. He's like this. I know they're not ready. I know they're not ready. Shakalaba. And he's dragging his feet. Because, you know, if they show up too soon, they will not be ready for him. And he said, when I finally arrive, will I still find faith on this earth? Now we're his church. Or will they all abandon me? But he's still to arrive. He is like that turtle. Very slow. But heading in the right direction. And at some point, he will show up. I want to ask you this morning, 
How's your commitment to God, to the house of God? Are you committed to Bible study? Are you committed to prayer meeting, worship, evangelism? Or do you have another purpose for living? Noah found grace. And here's the beauty. When the ark was closed off, people came and knocked. They finally believed, and God shut the door. Waited seven more days before he sent the flood, hoping somebody would make a last dash at the finishing mark. They still didn't. But I believe they started to beat. I believe they first started to laugh. You know, he was right. Wow, wow, wow. When we start rising, and the cattle start dying, and the fowls start being drowned, and the kids start crying, and every high hill got covered, they realize this is no joke. And they begged. And I personally believe Noah wanted to open the door, but he couldn't. God locked it. Would you bow your heads right now? I want to talk to you, church, because what affected me the most 